Blog Talk Radio. I have Isaac Orr on tonight. Uh, he is from the Center for American Experiment. He's one of their leading experts on climate and environmental issues. We'll deal, and I'll introduce, you know, and I'll have him introduce himself in short order. Uh, also, and it looks like we have the Swamp Girl from South Carolina listening in. So uh, this is Tom Donaldson, Donaldson Files, and let us... I, and I want to give this to my uh, – just to kind of let everybody know uh, uh, for the ad side of the equation, uh, where you, since uh, Isaac's got about 30 minutes, uh, about 30 minutes, and so we're going to get right into the conversation. We'll have our first break normally six, at uh, 610 Eastern Time, 510 Central Time. We're going to move it to 515 uh, at the end of the half hour at 5.30, 6.30, Eastern Time, 5.30, by the second half, then we'll go from there. Get back to our regular schedule. Because I did, like I said, I, I want to make sure that we get ice again and all of this. And so, Isaac, uh, welcome to the show. First, introduce yourself and, uh, and, and talk about uh, what it is you do for the center. Hey, Tom, thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, my name is Isaac Orr, and I'm a policy fellow at Center of the American Experiment, which is a conservative free market think tank based in Golden Valley, Minnesota. So uh, what I do there is I am the energy and environmental policy expert, and uh, my colleague and I, Mitch Rowling, do a lot of modeling on the cost of renewable energy mandates and other proposals with subsidies and and all of that kind of stuff that we're talking about with the Biden administration. And, you know, the, the government of Minnesota is also kind of in the tank for these types of policies. So we really just try to let people know about the true cost because there's a lot of misinformation out there and try to help people make better informed decisions. All right. What we're going to do, like I said, because I want to get started. Now, this story caught me. We were kind of talking very briefly on this. And normally when you, you know, listen to these news stories, it's, you know, the world's going to end. We got five more years. Blah blah blah. Uh, they're based on. There are different scenarios actually presented by the you know by the you know by you know by the scientific report. So it's not just one, but different scenarios. And kind of explain very briefly those scenarios. You know the possibilities of each one, and uh, and go from there because I think sometimes people need to understand is that there are several scenarios presented. But what you are seeing and hearing is the worst case, which, if I understand correctly, is is the least likely to happen. Go ahead. Yeah, so I think, uh, you know, what we need to talk about when we're talking about climate change is we need to, as Bjorn Lomberg says, uh, cool it. Uh, There's a lot of alarmism that's happening on the, you know, the political scale. And uh, we really need to figure out rational 
uh, responses to changes in the climate. So, you know, emitting CO2 does have an impact on the, the climate, but we don't exactly know what the human influences is, or what the human influence is, and what the natural influence is, right? Because there's natural variability. So, what the IP or Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change at the UN uh, board tries to do is they try to model the future temperature based on different uh, variables, right? And one of those variables is future emissions. And they call these different uh, emissions potential or these emissions pathways is what they call them, uh, relative em uh, concentration pathways of CO2 in the atmosphere. And there's one called RCP 8.5, which just assumes we're going to emit way more CO2 than we're on track to do. And that's the, you know, the, the scenario that they pretend is business as usual, even though it isn't. Uh, there's a lot of cherry picking of the scenarios used for climate modeling. And, you know, as we saw during COVID-19, if, if your models are not representative of reality, you are going to make policy decisions that are not reflective of the real world and can actually be very damaging. Yeah. Well, okay, that, I, I wanted to bring that up because today's new story on Reuter is, the planet is going to warm 2.4 degrees centigrade even after we opt all these climate change pledges. In other words, what they're really saying in effect, well, even if we do everything we claim we're going to be, we need to do, uh, you know, the, we're all going to burn to death anyway. <laughs> and, and I guess you kind of brought up a point. You know, you know first of all, the one, what evidence is there to say that 2.4 percent centigrade, even if a worst case scenario happens, is actually a bad thing or a good thing? How do they, you know, what are they basing this on? And in your views, go ahead. Yeah. So uh, Steve Coonan is a former Obama administration scientist at the Department of Energy, and he said, you know, there's really in his book. Um, unsettled, uh, what climate science tells us, what it doesn't, and why it matters. He talks about there's really no reason to believe that humans cannot adapt to temperatures warmer than 2.4 degrees Celsius by 2100. Um, and I think that's right. So, you know, the, the people who want to talk about emissions reduction, they always assume bad things are going to happen, but their assumptions are predicated on the, uh, the underlying assumption that humans will not adapt to a changing climate, and that's just kind of uh, stunningly in inaccurate, right? The, you know, the human population has been adapting to a changing climate since we've been around, right? We survived the ice age with spears and fire, and uh, to think that we're not going to be able to handle a planet that's a few degrees warmer uh, when we have, you know, 21st century technology, I just don't think that that's a reasonable perspective to have. Yeah, I'll get that. Yeah, I mean, this, you know, because to me, the, the thing that bothers me the most when I look at uh, the two aspects come to play is that, number one, you know, and this is Boyne Lomberg to say this, and I, and I want people to understand, you know, Lomberg does not disagree uh, uh, with human activity as part of climate change. And, and I would say he's far more worried about it than either you and I are, if I you know, read him correctly. Sure. Uh, uh, and, and, and so basically, but his point is that human in innovation is the key to get out of this. And it seems to me that we, nowhere in these predictions and these 
do they take in account human innovation? It's adaptability, but human innovation, which we've already seen in the case of, let's say, fracking and more natural gas, as an example. And the fact that U.S., we've actually seen a decrease of emissions, CO2, over the past uh, several, you know, past couple of decades. Your thoughts? Yeah, I totally agree with that, Tom. So the um, – I mean, I think it's that quote that AOC's former chief of staff told the – I believe it was the Washington Post, right? Like they were talking about the Green New Deal, and they said, oh, well, do you think of the Green New Deal as a climate thing? Because we didn't. Um, so – you know, there's a there's a contingency of Americans who think that, you know, the the way things are in capitalism is just fundamentally wrong, and a lot of these people view climate change as their opportunity to kind of restructure the entire economy in a way that they want the world to be and, and more reflective of of their values um, that I don't happen to share, right? Um, so. Uh, there is a lot of that happening because if it was just about the climate, these people would be talking about well, we need to build new nuclear power plants because they're reliable. They'd be talking about you know, building large hydro stations where we can and also building uh, carbon capture and sequestration equipment on existing fossil fuel plants to get it to where these existing resources can just be retrofitted with basically catalytic converters to reduce their emissions. All right, let me ask you a question, because here's the other aspect that comes into play here is that, uh, I mean, India and China basically were no good. I mean, they didn't even bother to show up. And we're seeing, of all things, an increase in coal being used around the world. And, and, so, and certainly the two biggest countries that are increasing their use of coal is China and India. So I guess the, question, the other question that comes into play here is that, if you're going to reduce CO2, but you got two of the most populous countries in the world basically saying we're not participating, you know, what then? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I don't blame China and India for burning more coal. A lot of their people don't have access to electricity, and they deserve it, right? So um, I think that that's one of the um, the considerations that the people who talk about reducing emissions – don't take into consideration. They just don't think about the you know 1.3 billion people on this planet that don't have any electricity at all. They think more of us should live like that. And I don't think that that's a very popular sentiment with the American people. I think people will say that they want to cut back and conserve on electricity, but if you ask them to actually do it, I don't think that they're going to be so happy with it. So you know, I think China and India are doing the right thing by their people by giving them affordable, reliable energy. And, you know, coal use is going up in the United States, too, because uh, natural gas prices are higher this year than they were in previous years. So coal is an important fuel, and it needs to stick around until we can figure out uh, a good way to use nuclear power in a way that's more affordable. All right. Uh, okay, let me, let's kind of follow up on that, because we've seen price increases in Europe, we're seeing here in the United States. Uh, I'm going to ask you kind of a, a two-pointed question, uh, kind of several, you know, kind of. I guess there are different reasons for this, but let me. Would you say, like in Europe and even portions of the United States, that they changed in many states, like your Minnesota, 
going to green technology. We see this in California. Is, and certainly in Europe, you've seen that big push. Is this part of the reason that we're seeing the increase in cost of energy overall? Yeah, so we're seeing an increase in the cost of electricity because we're mandating the use of wind and solar. Um, Europe is seeing increases in oil and natural gas prices because uh, they've banned fracking, and they do not have as much domestic production as they need in order to meet you know, the demand for it. So Europe is beholden to Russia and imports from other countries. Um, there's a big pipeline that goes through Spain. Um, that um, basically they're they're energy dependent on other sources of or other countries for their most important you know economic lifeblood, which is energy. So um, that's why prices are much higher in Europe than they are in the United States. The United States is still the largest producer of oil and natural gas in the world, and uh, hopefully will continue to be that. But the Biden administration is really doing basically everything they can in order to make sure that's not the case. Well, let me ask you, let's go to the second part of the equation here of the rice is that we have seen uh, cutback. I mean, certainly the, the pipe, the restriction of federal the use of federal reserve you know, on the federal, uh, federal lands of, of mm-hmm. energy, how has that played a role in the increased cost of energy we're seeing now? Yeah, so uh, I would argue that there are a few reasons, uh, government-induced reasons, why oil and gas prices are higher than they are now. And a lot of it stems back to the COVID shutdowns, right? So there was always going to be a reduction in the use of oil as a result of COVID, right? I just think that that's something we can all agree on. But when they artificially shut down the demand for oil and natural gas products, they really caused the price to crater. And then, as a result, people reduced their their investment in those products. And when we got a new administration, people felt less confident that they would be able to recoup those investments over a long period of time because they know that the, the Biden administration is going to be far more punitive than the Trump administration would have been uh, because the Trump administration would have been praising these people. They would have been heroes. They would have been the people who are making sure that we can keep the lights on, that you can stay warm. So – um, the, there are, um, you know, there's the, the, the policies that have actually been in place that restrict development, and then there's the overall sentiment, uh, anti-domestic energy sentiment that the Biden administration projects that dissuades people from making the investments that they need in order to increase production. All right, uh, hold on that thought. This is Tom Dawson, Dawson Piles here in the Bastion of Radio Note. We're going to take our first break, uh, This is, uh, and we'll be right back. A boy born in Joplin, Missouri was fascinated by anything with wheels and a motor. The odds of him going on to fascinate millions with his talent? One in 260,000. The odds of this born racer having 157 career top 10 finishes in NASCAR? One in 125 billion. But every driver seeks the pinnacle of their achievements. The odds of him winning both the Daytona 500 and the Brickyard 400 in the same year, one in 195 million. The odds of a child being diagnosed with autism, one in 88. 
I'm NASCAR driver Jamie McMurray, and my niece has autism. Learn more at autismspeaks.org slash signs. Early diagnosis can make a lifetime of difference. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. Since Buffalo Wild Wings is always open late, here are a few things you'll enjoy. Buzzer beaters, wings in 21 signature sauces and seasonings, and great deals on food and beer. Grab select domestic draft beers starting at $4. $4 shareables like street tacos, fried pickles, chili queso dip, mozzarella sticks, and roasted garlic mushrooms, and deals on select liquor and house cocktails. Phew, that's a mouthful. Catch all of the late night action. Buffalo Wild Wings, wings, beer, sports. Offers and participation vary. Please drink responsibly. Void where prohibited. This is the Tom Johnson Donaldson Files here on the Bachelor News Radio Network. Listen, you can listen to this show anytime on the BachelorNewsRadioNetwork.com, uh, the BachelorNews.Airtime.Pro, the BachelorNews.Airtime.Pro. We're on every day at 11 a.m. and 4 p.m. Eastern Time uh, on a routine basis. So tune in, listen in, be informed, and don't forget that following this show will be You and the Law, in which Virgil Green and Keith Humphrey uh, two police chiefs with some 60 years of, of combined law enforcement talk about the issues dealing with uh, the black and brown community and your rights. You in the law following this show. And we'll, and, and tomorrow we're going to have Maury, Rich, Maury Richards is going to be joining me. We're going to be talking about um, – you know, we're going to talk very briefly about the uh, Kyle Wittenhouse case. Uh, that's going on in Kenosha, Wisconsin, but we're also going to talk about, you know, vigilante justice. Is it going to be increasing? Are we going to be talking about uh, and other issues dealing with the future of law enforcement and safety in many communities? So, you know, Maury Richards will be joining us tomorrow on that. We're now back here with uh, Isaac Orr here on the Bachelor News Radio Network. All right. I, I, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions here. I'm going to go back to a paper you, like you say, you've been working on. And so, uh, and you bring up some very interesting point a lot of people don't talk about. But let me ask you the first question is what's a green new energy grid look like? Yeah, well, in Minnesota, uh, our elected officials seem to think that that's a wind, solar, and battery storage grid only. Uh, they really don't believe that nuclear power is part of the, the solution uh, to the, the problem that they say is going to kill all of humanity. And that's just kind of disingenuous from my perspective. Nuclear is the only source of carbon-free power that is reliable and affordable. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, they just assume that we're going to be building uh, tens of thousands of uh, wind turbines and solar panels all over the, the countryside, and the transmission lines needed to hook them up. All right, let me answer this question because here's the other thing nobody talks about. You bring it up in this piece that you did uh, for the – it's a, a magazine that the center produces what, you know, every quarter. But mass, you talk about the massive quantities of metals required to make batteries, wind, and solar possible. Talk about that – The what – the metal consumption would be if we go more and more away from fossil fuel, away from nuclear, toward wind, uh, solar, solar, uh, and also more electric vehicles. Yeah, absolutely. So people just kind of assume that wind and solar are 
uh, an unqualified good for the environment. And really, you have to consider that there's a lot of metals in mining that goes into producing these uh, these energy sources, right? These these machines that harness the natural energy from the sun, whether it's uh, solar panels or you know, wind is really just the uneven heating of the sun creating uh, the wind, right? So um, there is a huge amount of um, metal, copper, nickel, and cobalt needed in order to to mine all of this stuff. You caught me a little bit off guard. I wasn't expecting to to talk about that report or that um, story, and I don't have it right in front of me. But I think it's something like. 144% of uh, the world's output of cobalt on an annual basis would be needed for Minnesota to go completely green, and something like 4% of global copper would be production would be needed for that. So don't quote me on the copper, but I'm pretty confident about the cobalt. Well, actually, the copper you got, yeah, you got that right. I think it's 164% of the cobalt. Uh, so you're, oh, you're pretty I, sure. I, I lowballed it. Yeah. Yeah, you're lowballing, yeah. But well, I mean, here's the, I mean, and I know we talked about this before because here's the thing. First of all, number one, where are these, you know, where are most of these metals actually mined? Yeah, so uh, most of the global copper output comes from Chile. Um, a lot of the nickel comes from Canada and Australia. And cobalt is overwhelmingly produced in the Democratic of the Congo, where you've got up to 40,000 kids working in mines, digging it by hand, and washing the ore in rivers. So, uh, unfortunately, the Biden administration is not seeking to develop our natural resources in the United States. Uh, There's a huge copper-nickel deposit in northern Minnesota as part of the Duluth complex, and we write about this at AmericanExperiment.org a lot as well. Um, but before the election, there was an anonymous report from a Reuters reporter saying that, oh, yeah, President Biden thinks that we need to be uh, having domestic production of the materials needed for electric vehicles like copper, nickel, and cobalt. And for some reason, that article mentioned, uh, I believe it was Arizona and Minnesota the most. Uh, and then as soon as the election happens and Biden wins, there's another article by the same reporter it says, whoops, just kidding. I guess he's not interested in that. So, uh, you know, the job of the president of the United States of America should be to get as many jobs as possible for American workers, especially high-paying jobs like those in the mining industry. So uh, rather than promoting American energy independence and independence of our mineral supply for the energy sources that he wants, he is exporting or he's asking OPEC in Russia to pump more oil, and he's importing these metals from countries like the Congo and China. It does not make any sense. Well, let me ask you a quick question here, because this is a point you've made in the past and you make here. And uh, but the cop, you know, the cobalt is produced in the Congo. We are essentially talking children's slave labor, if you want to say it for lack of a better word. Right. These are not – whereas in the United States, we have certain rules and regulations that protect the workers, like, for example, the worker who would be working in Arizona and Minnesota producing cop, you know, fighting copper and nickel, as an example, certainly have rules and regulations that I guarantee you don't 
apply to the Congo, where, you know, and this is a point that you make in, in the upcoming piece, 40,000 boys and girls are working in these mines. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And it's the people that drink fair trade coffee and own an electric car that seem to think that they are morally superior to the people who are driving an internal combustion car. And that drives me crazy, Tom. Yeah. Well, here's the other question I get. Because when we talk about manufacturing, I've always stated to the people, the beauty of a coal mine, the beauty of an oil field, the beauty of a natural gas field in the United States is you can't move those things. Yep. Absolutely. You can't move a natural gas to China. You can't move it any place. What it is, it's there. And and yet, okay, solar panels and wind turbines, 80% are actually coming from China. So yeah, and fact, they use slave labor too. And so, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, what I'm looking at is, I mean, what we're looking at is we're looking at, you know, we essentially have to basically mine so much. I mean, if we're talking about 164% of, you know, I think uh, COVID, just for one state. Imagine you do the entire United States, and then you're talking about the rest of the developed nations. The number actually being produced is astronomical. I don't know. Maybe, maybe a better question. I mean, obviously, I should never overestimate, underestimate human in, in a, innovation to do these mining, but still, you know, for the foreseeable future, how can we even possibly have that much uh, mining of these products to begin with? Yeah, that's a really good question. And it's also interesting to note that wind turbines only last 20 years, solar panels last 25 years, and we don't really even know how long batteries last. So I don't know. Uh, a lot of this stuff is recyclable, right? So 90% of a wind turbine is recyclable when it comes to, like, the copper, the steel, and the uh, other, you know, metals in it. But you would have to rebuild Green New System multiple times over 20- and 30-year spans just to produce the same amount of electricity that we produce today. So how anybody can think that this is environmentally beneficial, and, you know, it also goes to your point, like, can you have enough metal in the the global system to accommodate the rebuilding of these things when they wear out after a few years? I mean, you can run a nuclear plant for 80 years. Like, pretty easy uh, way to – I mean, if, if you ask me, I'd rather have a nuclear plant than a, a wind and solar facility. Right. Well, yeah, I mean, this uh, – yeah, I mean, this is to me – I know you, you, you brought this before me because I'm looking at all of this. And, and, the, and kind of the other thing, we go back in the infrastructure bill that we're being debated. Again, we're talking about building a half a million electric chargers across the country. Uh, uh, and so, and so, in effect, by and I guess the question will be is, you know, the mouth. What we talk about your wind and solar. What about what is the metals and the what is required to get a electric vehicle running? What kind of, is there any different metals that maybe we don't need or combustible energy that we do need in the batteries of these electric vehicles? Uh, the batteries are mostly copper, uh, nickel, and cobalt. Um, those are and lithium, right? So those are those are the primary components for that. 
so that's, that's kind of the same as other uh, battery applications. But when you think about it, I think it's something like only 1% of global copper production or c consumption, quote-unquote green copper, used for, you know, wind turbine solar panels or electric cars. So, you know, there is a huge <laughs> – that means 99% – of the copper in the global supply chain is not being used for those. So um, you're, we are looking at a large increase in the cost of metals in the future if we actually decide that we're going to go through with the, this Green New Deal, which I think is a mistake, but some people are really gung-ho about it. Well, let me ask you a question. If that's indeed the case, how could you make an electric vehicle um, affordable? That is a very good question. So the Democrats in Congress think that all we need to do is subsidize the electric vehicle. You know, they're not making it cheaper. They're just changing who pays for it. And that's that's ultimately how all this stuff gets paid for. All right. Um, and then – now, here's the other thing to me is this. Yeah, I, I'm going to make a statement here because I'm – I'm not a you know to me I, mean, I, I actually care less what a person buys what automobile one way or the other in this case uh, if an electric vehicle fits your needs and, and I mean but the biggest problem I've always had with an electric vehicle is the charge you have to recharge these things and it takes and to me I can get into my automobile I can pump gas in 60 seconds and I can go I have a 2002 Saturn. And I can literally go 400 to 500 miles before I really need to fill up again. Yep, with 60 seconds. Now I, now I, at this point, and I may if you, correct me if I'm wrong, but is it true? I mean, that you, I mean, the best electric vehicle so far is what 200 miles before you have to charge it. Or are, I think some Teslas are up to 350. So, like, if if you want to pay out the nose, you can get a bigger battery with better range. But it's expensive. All right, so okay, you go 350 miles. How long does it take to charge that car? Well, if you're at a normal like wall plug-in, it'll take more than all night. If you're at like a dryer plug-in, it'll take about eight hours. And if you're at one of those like superchargers, you can charge about eighty percent of it in about thirty to forty minutes, I think. Okay, so basically, best case scenario is I only will have to be at the, the charging station at my local gas station for thirty minutes, while about thirty yeah. cars go through the gasoline. Okay. <laughs> yep, absolutely. Yeah, it's a total waste of time. Total waste, yeah. And I guess that's a question I throw back. I mean, to me, that's another aspect comes into play here, that if the best-case scenario is 30 minutes, that doesn't sound all that great to me. Uh, I mean, you could never run a farm on an electric tractor like that just when the sun's shining. You've got to make hay. So thanks for having me on, Tom. Well, thank you very much. It's Tom Dawson, Dawson Files, here on the Bachelor News Radio uh, Network. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, and then we have a special guest. Uh, coming back on the show. Thank you, Isaac, for joining us. Uh, part of the show tonight. Pleasure to have, or pleasure to be here. Thanks. Yeah. Go, Caleb! Come on, hit a homer, Jesse. Let's go, guys. Hey, did you guys know that kids who play sports earn more money when they grow up? Of course, I I knew that. Hey, did you guys know that kids who read books have a bigger vocabulary? 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Mm-hmm. Wow, Jinx. <laughs> Did you guys know that friendly children have more friends? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. That's true. I knew that. Did you guys know that winter babies are better at music? Everyone knows that. Oh, yeah? yeah. Pretty obvious. Yeah, yeah. so yeah. obvious. Oh, hey, guys, did you know that most people think they're using the right car seat for their kid, but they're not? Huh, I didn't know that. I'm pretty sure I knew that. I'm pretty sure you didn't. Parents who really know it all know for sure that their child is in the right car seat at the right age and size. Visit safercar.gov slash the right seat to make sure your child is protected. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Napa know-how. The Napa guy knows not to judge a man by his car's multicolored paint job or absence of modern gadgetry. Who cares if it's technically old enough to vote and the windows are powered by the strength of your left arm? Your monthly payment is zero, and it'll stay that way. Because with over 500,000 parts and a little Napa know-how, you can keep anything on the road. She may not be pretty, but she's all yours. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. This is Tom Dawson, Dawson Files, here on the Bachelor News Radio Network. You can listen to this show every day, twice a day, 11 a.m., 4 p.m., on the bachelornews.airtime.pro, bachelornews.airtime.pro. Now we have a special guest who uh, we haven't had on for a while. So, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Coco Konski. Okay, Coco. It's been a while right. since we talked to you. So it, it's been oh. it's been quite quite a minute, man. It's been quite a minute. <laughs> yeah, it's been quite a while. So tell me, uh, what oh, have boy. you been? Uh, first of all, how is your is your do- how's your dog doing? Oh boy. Um, well, we went through some really really. Um, close call of almost having to put him down and that was really scary like last time I talked I was like oh well he had been in the hospital for three days and you know well well, he's doing better well he ended up having to be stay another five more days which total cost was about twelve thousand dollars um it is not cheap Um, to have a dog Um, especially when they get older that's the thing I realized it's like people get dogs and, like, they can, like, because he's the type of dog who's never really had to go to the vet up until he started turning eight years old. And then that's when, you know, his health problems started happening. Um, so in the beginning, you know, we thought it was his heart. And then it turned out he had, like, a closed esophagus, so he really couldn't swallow. His glands were swollen. And then he got better, and I got him home. And then I swear to you, Tom, I swear to you, two days later, he couldn't walk. He, could, he, he, he couldn't walk. Like, and that's the scariest thing on earth, Tom. It is so scary yeah. not seeing your dog, not being able to go to the bathroom and not being able to walk. Um, and it turned out they, uh, they, they scared me. They, like, really scared me. They were like, well, it's going to cost another ten grand," And I was just like, oh, my God. Like, I can't deal with this. Um, um, they thought he had a neurological problem, and it was it was so impossible to get him an appointment. This is, like, where they kind of try to scam you, basically. Um, they really do, <laughs> because 
Um, they w- they could I couldn't see the cardiol the, the the neurologist for like a month, but if I had like had him stay overnight, which was gonna cost like a grand, then he could see the the neurologist. But other than that, I would have had to wait like four or five weeks, and I was just like, well, no, I'm not doing that. And um, the good news was that it turned out to be a sore paw. <laughs> So uh, what I did was I basically I I took a month and a half off work, um, really to just nurse him and bandage him and just you know and then slowly about I would say like eight days later he started walking again and now he he's had no problems knocked on wood. Um, and then the next month I got like terribly ill. <laughs> Which is like shocking, I know. Um, I got, I got, I got kidney stones, and um, that was not fun at all. Um, I was eating too much spinach, which is it's kind of funny because you know, growing up they're like, oh, you gotta eat your greens, you gotta eat your greens, and like for me it's like I actually can't eat too many greens because if I do, I will develop stones. <laughs> which like it's not fun if you've had kitty stones tom it's just like the most absolute worst pain the worst pain you could i mean i it's it's such bad pain that like even on the they gave me morphine at one point i remember they had put me on morphine and even with the morphine i was just like it's not enough (laughs) You know it's bad when the morphine isn't doing anything. Yeah. No, let me ask you a question. Finally, how did they did they get rid of have you passed the stones? Um did they or did you have to go through lepidotripsy to Yes, smash them I up? did. I did. I totally did. Okay, so it was at the point where it was like seventy two hours had passed and they're like, Well, if you don't pass it in forty eight hours, like you need to go set up an appointment and I, I remember because I was at the grocery store I had to get out of the house and they, they tell you that like this is a pro tip for those of you who have stones or are prone to stones um, that walking helps um, I know that sounds this is the last thing on earth you want to do is just like walk like I know trust me um, but yeah. so I thought I was like, okay, well, I'm going to go to Trader Joe's. And so I, I was at Trader Joe's and like, I actually had a, got a call from my doctor and it had been about 72 hours and I had not passed them. And I was like in so much, it was, I was in so much pain at one point I passed out from the pain. Like I just, I just physically blacked out. Um, and so what they did was I went in like the Monday I went in. And what they do, and they, it's kind of like an, a wave sound machine. It's kind of weird. And, like, I had a catheter. It was, like, super uncomfortable. And what they did is they break up the stones, and I basically passed them right there. So it was, like, pretty quick. Um, so I passed them, which was great. I was, like, thank God. Um it was just like the recovery afterwards was like a total bitch. <laughs> you know, I don't know if you ever had a catheter inside you, but um, that's pretty painful in itself. So it's just like, yeah. 
So after you're done with all that, after you do what I forgot, I can't even pronounce it. Leper. It sounds like leprosy. It's not leprosy. <laughs> it's yeah. uh, um, leprotripsy, yeah, leprotripsy. Um, you you have to like, it's like a three day bed rest. Like you can't do any physical like activity at all because you're still recovering, and it feels like a UTI for like a whole day. This is the whole. This is started the whole damn thing too. It's like I thought I, I had a UTI, and it is. It just it went from a UTI to a kidney infection to like kidney stones in like a span of like forty eight hours. It was nuts. I was just like, this sucks. So, um, but I've been really healthy since then. Um, I just mm. I, I, I did I did have to take a COVID test uh, yeah. recently. So mm-hmm. um, negative. Thank yeah. God. <laughs> yeah. Well, but, I, um, yeah, like, I, I was sick last week, and I went ahead and took one. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, the only reason I, I actually went and I got it done, it was just because the symptoms I had. Like, I didn't, I, I had a fever, but it wasn't, like, a full-blown fever. Yeah. But it was – I sort of started losing taste, and that's when I was like, oh, yeah. my God, I need a COVID test. If it wasn't for that, I probably would have just – but I, I basically what I had was, like, I just had – there's just something going around. Like, there's just, like, a really bad yeah. cold. So yeah. – well, um, that's what, Yeah, but, that's what I had. Once, so, yeah. Well, yeah. see, today I had my – I got my booster today, so, so now oh, I'm good see, for And it was so another. funny because what's funny about that is I was supposed to get my booster on the day I got my COVID test. <laughs> yeah. So I have to re- – I had to reschedule that. I was like, ah. Not fun. No, not fun. No, no. Actually, yeah. No, basically, I got it today because now I'm good for another seven or eight months. I guess I don't know. Oh, That's, good. Uh, yeah, be so they say. I mean, it, it wanes out. All right. Uh, I mean, we got so much to, to follow up, but I do want to say it's now been what you and Steve have now been together since. Is is have you passed <laughs> your second year anniversary? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, our, our third year's coming in uh, July. July, okay, so, so it's now been two, yeah, yeah, it's been over two and a half years. Yeah. Uh, since it, you, you saw this, because I saw this on Twitter. Yeah, you're oh, coming you into did, 2000. yeah. Yeah, so it, it, it was on Twitter that <laughs> uh, you made that point. Uh, so I did. I, just, I was trying to, you know, I was trying to remember that, you know, whether or not, uh, you know, if you had something popping up here. No, so. no, not engaged, not engaged. We have to be funny. It's funny. We're like we we made kind of a plan. Like we don't want to get married at least for like a year and a half or two years at most. Um, it's like I'm not one of those people that's like in a rush. Like I'm actually pretty happy where I'm at, <laughs> and so you know, I don't feel the need to like rush to the altar <laughs> per se. You know, I mean it's nice, I guess, but it's not really mandatory for me right now. Well, let me ask you a question. Is that obviously it's not mandatory for him either, correct? No. Because he's had no. nasty yet, has he? <laughs> well, no, but we talk about it. We talk about it. You know, I mean, I think you need to. You, I think yeah. you always need to talk about it. Like, I would be pissed. I would be really pissed if we had never talked about it and he just proposed to me. I think I would be pissed because I'd be like, okay, well, we never even spoke about this. Like, why are you doing this? <laughs> All right, so, all right, I, I, like I said, so what's, you know, you know, 
I get that's I mean, we've been trying to get you know caught up with you. We're going to have a break in a couple of sec oh. uh, in one more minute. So let me put it this way: so you and Steve are still together. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's been over two and a half years. Uh, yeah. Congratulations. Crazy. Now, Thank you. Are you all excited about Georgia football? Because I know he's a oh, big Georgia football yeah. fan, and they're number one. Oh, we, so what's going I on with know. that? I know. So we have this thing where, he, where I'm like a total sports jank. So what I've been doing is I've been rooting for basically all the teams that are playing against Georgia, and it's been working. So, like, I was rooting for um, the Astros, like, completely, and, like, the the yeah. The Braves won, which I yeah. thought that was funny because at first I thought he was, like, joking of how I was a sports jinx, but now I actually believe it because, like, <laughs> I was, like, rooting hardcore. Like, I was tweeting it. I was, like, talking about it. And then they freaking win the World Series. Come on. I am a sports jinx. I have to be. Yeah. Well, so, okay. um, there's that. Well, I'll tell you what. There's that. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to conclude this because, like, I've been, uh, like I said, I'm a big Iowa football fan, and so I had this one shirt that, yeah, you know, I thought, you know, they they had won, like they won like the last six games of the last season, going through the first six games, and I would wear this shirt, and uh, right, and, and in fact, interesting enough, I one game they were down at halftime. I had another Iowa shirt on, and I realized they were down at halftime, so I take the shirt off, put the shirt back on. The good luck shirt, and they go back and they win in the second half. And then, <laughs> then I put the shirt on because uh, I went to D.C., but I didn't watch the game, but I had the shirt on. And I said, well, maybe that's it because I was in D.C. visiting uh, Dr. Larry and a, and a few other people. Uh, yeah. And, uh, he, and so and they lost. But so it must have been because I, I, I had the shirt on, but I didn't watch them. And then the next week I had the shirt on. And they end up losing. At that point, I said, "Okay, that they, you know, they, there's 12 games in a, you know, it's a good luck charm. He's no longer working." So this week, I had a totally different Iowa shirt on, and we're going to stop right there. This is Tom Donson, Donson Files here in the Bassler News Radio Network. I never get the flu. My kids don't need more shots. I don't have time. We're all healthy. My asthma's under control. I'm pregnant. I've had the flu. It's not a big deal. My kids are too old the for media flu. media is exaggerated. I can fight it naturally. No matter how you build your excuses, the flu can blow your house down. Keep your foundation strong. Vaccinate. Learn more at flu.gov. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Since Buffalo Wild Wings is always open late, here are a few things you'll enjoy. Buzzer beaters, wings in 21 signature sauces and seasonings, and great deals on food and beer. Grab select domestic draft beers starting at $4. $4 shareables like street tacos, fried pickles, chili queso dip, mozzarella sticks, and roasted garlic mushrooms, and deals on select liquor and house cocktails. Phew, that's a mouthful. Catch all of the late night action. Buffalo Wild Wings, wings, beer, sports. Offers and participation vary. Please drink responsibly. Void where prohibited. Okay. This is this is Tom Dawson, Dawson Files here on the Bachelor News Radio Network. Uh, don't forget you can listen to this show and any and all of our shows. Four a it's eleven a.m. and four p.m. Eastern Time. And here's what you need to do. I'm going to explain this very quickly and slow. I guess very quickly, but I'm going to dot bachelor 
news.airtime.pro. And the bachelor is spelled B-A-T-C-H-E-L-O-R, news.airtime.pro. All right, so you can listen to us every day, every day, Bachelor News Radio Network. If you want to advertise on this particular show, you can contact LABachelor40 at gmail.com. we got special rates uh, available to you. Uh, so give us a buzz. Give us a call. We'll get the sales staff out to you. Uh, and you're asking yourself, you know, what do you get from this? Well, here's the bottom line. We basically give you three ads plus a mention. And we and you will also at the beginning of the show be listed as the official sponsor for that, but one of the sponsors for that particular hour. So that's so and so you're gonna get a lot of mention and, and between and and that and that's to remind folks when you're on the Bachelor News Radio Network, we're talking about 14 shows a week that your ads are gonna play on, and we're talking tens of thousands of people. Uh, that you're going to be reaching. So think about advertising on the show. We're going to get back now to our special guest, uh, who is is Coco Konsky. Hopefully she will be able to come back in the future a little more often. But I do want to get to you have some special projects. So tell us what's going on with your special projects. First, what are those projects? Go ahead. So I'm doing um, some horror movie reviews through TikTok. I gained a little bit of a following on there, and um, I've learned in the past, you know, do what you love. And I love horror movies. (laughs) I watch them. I watch probably, as is not an exaggeration, I swear to you, um, probably around seven a week, which is a lot, Um, you know, I've learned that I love all types of horror film. Um, most recently, um, I I have come to love, love the Halloween series. Um, the new one came out um, just in time for Halloween, uh, Halloween Kills, um, which is the sequel of Halloween 2018. And it is absolutely one of my favorite sequels, Um that I've seen. And it, and it's honestly one of my favorite horror movies that I, I, I've watched. Um, I, when I first watched it, I was like, I like it. And then, you know, but I feel like I missed some stuff. So I watched it again and then I really liked it. And I think I've watched it. This is like so embarrassing. I've watched it a total of like eight times since it came out. Um, because it's on Peacock, which I subscribe to. It's like a streaming service, so I have Peacock. So I was like, well, it's free. I'm just going to, like, binge it. <laughs> and um, and I realized, like, you know, I, I just really love talking about the movies that I watch and why I like them, why I don't like them. And um, as far as Halloween Kills, why I love it so much is that it's so true to, like, the original Halloween 1978 um movies where if if you guys have watched it i mean it's 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 so it's so awesome um they do they do this without giving too much away they do a um gosh how do you how do you say it? they they did it they did a, a couple scenes a flashback where they actually did almost like a hol- hologram of dr loomis 
So it was like he was in this new movie, but obviously he wasn't because, I mean, the actor died in 1993. So I thought that was really awesome. Um, so I, I'm going to be doing a really awesome review on that, as well as this new movie that I, I decided to uh, watch called The Deep House, which um, I know, Tom, you're probably, you're not really into horror movies, but um, no. it's kind of like paranormal activity, but underwater. And I thought it, it was really good. I thought it was an awesome concept because like no one's really done kind of like an underwater found footage film. I mean, that shot really well. <laughs> I mean, it shot, it shot really, really, really well. I mean, it, it's like you're there. And it has some really good jump scares, which I, I enjoyed. And it had a good story. And um, as far as ending-wise, um, I don't want to say I'm disappointed because I'm not. But um, I felt like it could have been a little more exciting. <laughs> but overall, I, I I truly, truly enjoyed the movie in a – it's it's really cool because there's only three people in it, so it's it's that's one of the things like I love movies like that where it's just like such a very tiny limited cast, so it's harder for them to um, it's harder to perform because when you have like many people performing in a movie, it's like it, you know it's, it's it's a little easier, but when you're having like relying on two or three people. I find that to be a little more difficult. And what's really cool about this film, um, without giving too much away, um, so most of the majority of it takes place underwater. And what I found out, I kept thinking to myself, like, how are they doing this? So I looked online, and apparently they built a house, and it's a set that they flooded. And so what you're seeing, it's like it's like an actual set, but it's like completely flooded. So like they're all like they're scuba divers and they're all diving down there and exploring it. So I thought it was a really cool concept. So this one's called The Deep House, which I, I truly enjoyed. I thought it was great. Um, like I said, it's, it's, it's a very elevated paranormal activity, but underwater. So if you're into that type of movies, like found footage, um, this actually kind of brought my love of found footage back because I normally hate found footage films. Um, but this mm-hmm. one just had kind of like a really good story. It had really good visual. I mean, the visuals are like insane. They, it feels like you're there. So um, that's what I've been up to. I've just been um, reviewing different types of movies Um trying to find the best ones I can find that are like not so known um, doing yeah. that. So that's what I've been up to. Well, wait, okay. Is there anything else you're doing? Cause I know you just, you were doing some writing, mod, you were working on some marketing for modeling and uh, weren't you working on I a am. book? I'm still, I am. I'm still doing all that. Still doing all that. Um, yeah. I'm working on a, on a horror book. So um which is another reason, like when I, when I write when I write about you know supernatural horror um, stuff, like yeah. I like to you know watch movies to get inspired. So that's you know what also kind of intrigued me about um, the whole writing aspect of it. Um, which and I, I love reviewing. Um, to be honest, I love just kind of telling like why I loved it and you know why I hated it or you know why I think people should watch it. 
So I'm doing that right now. And of course, I'm still writing. I'm doing all that. I'm still doing my job, which is like very hard. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So yeah. Uh, let me, like you said, we got about five minutes left, but okay. What makes a great horror flick a great horror flick? That's a good question. Um, I think, but you know what? There's so many different types of horror movies. Like, you know, there's like the torture porn horror movie. There's like, you know, supernatural, there's vampire. There's, you know, I mean, it all depends on what you like as a horror film. For me, I, my, my favorite horror is like James Wan. I absolutely love the crap out of him. He's done the conjuring you know, for me, it's all about jump scare, visual, good story. It doesn't have to be blood and guts. I mean, I don't mind that. I'll watch it. That's cool. Um, but for me to really get into it, it has to be visually stunning. If I'm not into it, this is I have this rule. I don't mind starting a film, but if I'm not, like, into it within the first five minutes, I'll turn it off. So I have to be into it with the first five to ten minutes at the very least. So basically if not, what it comes down to, somebody better die, better die horribly no. in a horror fashion, get you jumping up and down in the first five minutes, or you're done, right? No, 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 not, not at all, not at all. Like, <laughs> I, I'm just saying, like, you know, like, you know, get me in with, like, a good, you know, story or a good line or a good, you know, entrance, like, you know, they, they talk about the movie Sinister as being the scariest movie of all time, according to a census. I don't consider it the scariest movie of all time. I don't even know what the scariest movie of all time would be. But it's pretty up there because it gets you in with this great opening. There's a great first opening. Um, if you've ever watched Sinister, it's it's great. <laughs> I don't recommend it if you have kids because yeah. then you're going to be like, oh. My kids are yeah. like gonna plot something, but um, well, you know, I think yeah, the one thing I could always remember the one movie that was so cheap to make, but it was fascinating because you never see the horror that's in it, and you don't really see anybody just, and that's the the original Blair Witch Project. I I actually just want to mention that I literally just watched it like a night two nights ago. Um, I first watched yeah. it when I was like in sixth grade, seventh yeah. sixth grade. And I remember scaring the crap out of me. And then I watched it again, and I'm like, yeah, it's creepy. But, you know, I mean, I, I it's, it's, it's not everyone, – everyone's, like, talking about how it's the first found, found footage film. It's not. The first found – first film found, found footage film was Cannibal Holocaust. Because uh, Cannibal Holocaust, great film, one of my personal favorites, Um what they thought it was so realistic because they actually did murder animals on the film. Like that's actually real, but they, the, the Italian uh, government had to like produce the actors because they actually thought they were murdered from the film. <laughs> like, all right, no, hold on. yeah, no, it's all true. If you look it up, it's all true. Like the okay, director yeah. had to produce the actors because in the, in the contract, the actors could not be seen in public for six months until the movie was released. Oh, all right. I'll tell so you, I'm hold it was you. like, yeah, I, yeah. I hate, to, hate, hate to do this because we're at the end of the hour. This is the Donaldson Files with Coco Kotsky. Hopefully, Coco, you, you can join us next Tuesday. Uh, yes. And we'll come for there. So, 
And uh, this is Tom Donaldson, Donaldson Files, saying good night. And stay tuned, ladies and gentlemen, because we got you and the law on following us. broadcast show on the Bachelor News Radio Network. We're glad that you're able to tune in and join us once again for another uh, exciting uh, show uh, on the Bachelor News Radio Network. We want to remind you that you are listening live to the show, and if you miss any parts of this show, you can definitely uh, tune in at thebachelornews.airtime.pro. That's thebachelornews.airtime.pro. You can go there and listen to us uh, as well. And if you got any comments, um, definitely share those in the chat room. Uh, the chat room is open, and you can let the producer know that you've got <clears throat> you would like to come on air, or you got a comment um, to uh, share with us uh, as we go throughout the show. So uh, today we are going to be talking about um, how. Uh, law enforcement uh, prepares for large uh, outdoor events, and we definitely want to send our condolences and prayers to the uh, victims uh, in this past weekend's incident in Houston uh, at the Travis Scott uh, concert where eight people lost their lives and so many other hundreds were were injured. And so we we're going to talk about how law enforcement prepares for events such as an event like that or even larger demonstrations um, and what all is involved with that and how law enforcement works with other entities and other other partners to make sure that uh, the event is uh, or the, the demonstration protest goes well without any anyone uh, getting injured. And so um, this has been all over social media, as as you uh, have seen over the last couple of days, especially uh, some of the videos that have been put on TikTok uh, about what actually took place while this concert was was going on. And so, um, you know, we want, don't want to, you know, there's definitely a criminal investigation that's going on, and so just from our perspective as to uh, law enforcement uh, uh, executives who've been around for quite some time, you know, we have a combined uh, total year of experience, probably close to 60 years of experience between myself and my co-host, Chief Humphrey. Um, so we just want to share with you all and talk about 
some things that that goes into planning events like this or to prevent stuff like this or from happening. Um, but I need to let you all know that my co-host is going to be joining us uh, sometime uh, uh, here pretty shortly. Uh, uh, he'll be joining us uh, as we get into this conversation about the planning for uh, outdoor events and what goes on with, uh, with demonstrations. But before we get into that topic, I want to, touch on two real important cases, and hopefully you, our listeners, are following these cases. Uh, one of them is out of uh, Kenosha, Wisconsin, that involves the uh, 18-year-old who is uh, who has been charged with killing two men uh, and injuring another um, after some unrest that took place after the shooting of a unarmed black male in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Um, and also the uh, case in uh, Georgia, Ahmaud Arbery uh, case uh, that um, is going on as well. And so two very, two cases that are in the, the uh, in the news and, and hopefully everyone is following these two cases because the case in, um, Wisconsin uh, is a real high-profile uh, civilian self-defense case. We haven't seen anything like this since the 2013 incident with Trayvon Martin, who was the, if you remember, was the unarmed black teen who was killed by uh, George Zimmerman. Um, and so these two, these three men in, in um, uh, Georgia are facing um, they're trying to say that it was self-defense and to how they pretty much um, hunted down uh, Ahmaud Arbery as he was running through this uh, neighborhood. And so it is um, really kind of interesting to to watch some of the things. I've watched some, uh, some of the trial on court TV as to how the prosecution has presented their case uh, and even in the case in uh, Kenosha, Wisconsin, how the prosecution has presented that case, but I believe that they actually rested today. Uh, so uh, obviously within the next day, uh, the defense attorney uh, representing this 18-year-old will have their opportunity to present their case to the jury. But cases are, are very disturbing, uh, and to talk on the Wisconsin cases that you got a, a 17 he was 17 years old at the time when uh, this incident took place and the fact that he lived in another didn't even live in Wisconsin he actually uh, uh, traveled to Kenosha Wisconsin to um, I guess to do his part as a 17 year old to protect people's property uh him and and so many other uh individuals so um it's just really disturbing that a and obviously how do, how does a 17 year old so many questions has come up how does a 17 year old uh get uh come in possession of of an assault rifle um and so and then we look at the case in in um Georgia, where Ahmad Arbery, uh, there's 
video that shows him looking inside of a house that was being built or being remodeled. Uh, he didn't steal anything, um, but you had three men who basically hunted him down. And, you know, I watched, Keith, you know, I watched some of this um, trial uh, on court TV a couple of nights ago, and um, it was real disturbing to see the police officer who was on the witness stand, he didn't try to render any any aid when he uh, came upon uh, the scene, but the second responding officer, he did try to render some type of uh, medical aid to Ahmad Aubrey as he laid there uh, after being shot with a shotgun. So, you know, hey, hey, Virgil, is can, it, I, can I say? Virgil, can I say something? I'm, I'm sorry I had to join late, man. Good evening, everybody. Oh, you're good. Thank y'all for li- yeah, thank y'all for listening in, L.A. I appreciate you, man. Uh, you know, Virgil, you, you asked a question earlier. I, I was sitting here listening, and you talk about the kid uh, in Kenosha. Well, you know, his mom drove him there. He didn't even drive yes, himself was, there. His mother, exactly. his mother drove him there, and, and if I make no mistake, someone bought that rifle for him, if I make yeah. no mistake. Um, and, and so you got to, you know, 17-year-old, uh, I mean, you know, why would I, – I, I can tell you right now I, I believe in uh, First Amendment rights, peaceful protesting and things like that, but I'm going to tell you right now, if my daughter asked me to drive her, my 17-year-old child asked me to drive her to another state or another city, it's not going to happen. And then, and then especially you going over there with a gun, you know, why are you going over there with a weapon? Uh, yeah. And so I think the mom – should be charged uh, with something uh, because at the end of the day, what 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 kind of he, common sense yeah. do you have for that? You know? Yeah, yeah, what, Keith, you're right. He, yeah, he he wouldn't have been there if if it hadn't been for an adult taking him there. And and I'm with you. It's it's kind of surprising that the mother uh, is had is not facing any kind of charges. But Keith, we're kind of and taking our first break. Uh, and once we come out of this break, we're going to get back into to these uh, three, uh, well, actually, you know, three topics that we're talking about. But you're listening to You and the Law on the Bachelor News Radio Network. I want to feel the heat with somebody. Yeah, we dance with somebody. With somebody who loves me. Ooh-hoo. Alexa, play Whitney Houston. Okay. With Amazon Music, a voice is all you need. Get access to over 50 million songs. Download the Amazon Music app today. Blog Talk. You know, before Boost, our phone bill was obscene. So, we switched to Boost and got lines for the whole family with unlimited gigs for a much more family-friendly price. It's nice to have a phone bill that doesn't require parental controls. Your family deserves better. Get four lines for only $25 per line, each with unlimited gigs. Plus, get up to four free Samsung J7 perks with six months of Hulu where you can stream all the shows everyone is talking about. All on the super reliable and super fast nationwide network. Boost makes it easy to switch. Switching makes it easy to save.
back to you and the Law Broadcast Show on the Bachelor News Radio Network. Uh, I want to remind you that you're listening to the show live. Uh, if you miss any parts of this show, uh, you can uh, check us out on the uh, rebroadcast at thebachelornews.airtime.pro, thebachelornews.airtime.pro. Um, and the call-in number is 646-929-0130. And if you got a comment or a question or would like to come on and talk to us about whatever's on your mind. Uh, let the producer know he's screening the calls, and uh, we'll definitely get your comments on. And uh, or if you'd like to come on and talk with us, uh, feel free to do so. Uh, but we, I want to remind our listeners that uh, you know you need to stay in touch with you and the Law Podcast Show. Uh, we're on uh, all of our social media platforms. You can uh, follow us and like us on our Facebook page at. You uh, and the Law One. You can follow us on Instagram at you underscore and the Law. You can follow us on Twitter at you uh, and the Law One. That's on Twitter at you and the Law One. And so, um, Keith, I think we you know it's been quite some time that we've let our listeners know what is you and the Law all about. And uh, you know, we are an informative, proactive discussion. Uh, show regarding law enforcement and uh, what's going on in the in the minority community uh, where we discuss matters that uh, are relevant and are current and how police interact with the uh, minority community and uh, so we want to let people know that what are your rights when you deal with uh, with police officers and uh, you know when we say you and the law that is you and when you're dealing with either police officers or you're dealing with the criminal justice system. So, um, you know, we definitely want to thank everybody for tuning in and listening to us uh, uh, on the Bachelor News Radio Network every Tuesday uh, because, you know, Keith, we uh, put together some some topics that are, that are things that are currently going on uh, uh, throughout, the, uh, throughout the country. Well, you know, we keep it real. Um, but, you know, like you said, we're talking about being uh, reactive. Uh, I'm sorry, being proactive. We are, but we keep it real. Uh, we don't sugarcoat when, 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 you know, when we're going to tell the truth, uh, whether it's uh, with law enforcement or whether it's with, uh, uh, with citizens. We're going to tell the truth. You know, we, we're going to say some things that may make people uncomfortable. But, you know, hey, this is life. If, you know, we, we're, we're adults and. You know, if you're listening to this show, it's because you you have an interest in uh, the truth, and so we want to we want to talk about that. You know, Virgil, I, you know, I find it very interesting. You know, we were talking about the the, the case in Kenosha, uh, and then that that case in Kenosha is really similar to the one in Charlottesville, Virginia. Uh, the young man that drove that car into that crowd came from another state <laughs> to, to 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 do that. So it's it's, mm-hmm. it's amazing how hatred uh, can trigger uh, a person's desire from the outside community that doesn't live in that community, that doesn't contribute to that community as far as taxes, live there, doesn't have a vested interest in that community, and they come into the community and they cause so much damage like this. You know, you're talking lifelong damage. I mean, you've got three people shot, two um two killed. Two are dead. Um and and then in, in Kenosha and in uh, Charlottesville, one 
one dead and, and many more injured because you have somebody mm-hmm. that 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 has a that has a hate a deep hate for um um you know civil rights uh, yeah. you know and so yeah. it, it's it's amazing how far people will travel uh to spread their hate well and you, and you know Keith this situation in in Wisconsin uh similar to what took place in January uh, 6th in, in, on the nation's capital where you had, you know, thousands and thousands of people traveling from all over the country to uh, go and, as they put it, take back their their government. And uh, here in Wisconsin you had individuals who felt that they needed to go to to this city to help property owners who didn't even seek their help to help them protect their property. And you had so many people who, matter of fact, Keith, you know, one of the the gentlemen who his family owned a car dealership, they hit him on the witness stand, and he didn't know who Rittenhouse was. He didn't know who anybody was uh, who was there to help him and his family protect the, their property uh, because some of the cars had been set on fire. But he, you right. know, listening to his testimony, he he act, he acted like he didn't remember anything. It, I think it was a really, it, it was really disturbing to watch him put himself in that who, situation. Which, which, because one? which one are you talking about? This, who? this was the uh, young man's family who owned a car dealership. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, okay. The the prosecute he was a pro, he was a witness for the prosecution uh, for the prosecutors and they were asking him about you know was this your business did you do an inventory of of what property you lost he couldn't answer any of those questions and but in his mind he was trying to distance himself from anything because. Potentially, his family could end up facing uh, some lawsuits because people are going to say, well, you allowed these individuals to uh, be armed on your property to protect your property. So, uh, But then also, Keith, it, it has some similarities to what happened with George Zimmerman. I don't know if you heard you know, when yeah. we started the show where you know George Zimmerman uh, took after Trayvon Martin who in 2013, in 2013 and killed him. Uh, but you, you, you've got individuals, Keith, who take it upon themselves to to take weapons and to so-called become uh, somewhat of, of they want to play this authority figure. And it was really, you know, the incident in, in Wisconsin, Keith, listening to the police officers testify, I think some people actually thought, hey, this guy just walked up to police and they didn't do anything. Well, they pepper sprayed him. They done other things using less lethal force to get him to drop his weapon. Uh, But their focus was on trying to get to the bodies that were in the street, uh, not knowing that this was the the individual who had shot who had shot those uh, uh, two people. Uh, or actually and we've talked people. about this. We've talked about this, Virgil. That situations like that are very fluid, and they 
and then move so quickly. And, you know, you are dealing with what you have at that, at that time. You didn't, you know, and that's, and that's what happens when you have um, all of the, all of the, the relaxed gun laws that we have uh, that, you know, you, you're walking down the street with an AR-15, but you got five or six other people walking down the street. Which, who's the bad person? I mean, who's the person that's, that yeah. has the potential of, of killing someone? How do you, or shooting someone? How do you determine that? So, you know, when you, yeah. when you see bodies laying in the street and you see eight or nine people walking with weapons, I mean, it's, it's you know, what's the priority? The priority is to go and see if you can save life. Uh, and it's, yeah. and it's, I've tried to, I've tried to stress that, that the, the, the more of these weapon um, laws that are relaxed, the more guns that are going to be brought to these type of events, the more that tempers are going to flare, the, 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 the greater the chance of one of those weapons being fired and, and yeah. somebody being seriously hurt or, or worse. And so, you know, it, it's a, it's a, you know, I get it, you know, Second Amendment. I'm, I believe in the Second Amendment, but I, but I will tell you, I think that there, it has to be applied correctly. Um, we, we have yeah, a society, definitely. man, where it's that that's our main. You know, it kind of makes it seem like, you know, you're not, you're not, you're not American, or you're not necessarily American, but you, you're not, you don't belong here if you don't have if you don't have this thoughts of the Second Amendment. That man, you got, yeah. you know, this is our freedom. You got to carry a gun in order to be recognized in this, and you know, you got to do this, and 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 it's really that's why our, our violent crime is high. That's why because everybody has a gun. Everybody everybody yeah. feels like they they got to have a gun, and and that's the that's the sad thing about it. And then innocent people suffer um, because of this. Yeah, and and you know, Keith, and I think anytime you. You talk about you know weapons. People get very sensitive about uh, any type of guns, whether it's an assault rifle or or any a uh, handgun. People get real sensitive when you talk about it. And you know, instead of having the conversation, and in this situation, Keith, where why does a 17-year-old need an assault rifle, and why is a 17-year-old uh, being putting himself in a position to potentially use deadly to use uh, deadly force, which he did, and 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 then you know Keith with the the case in uh, Georgia with Ahmad Arbery, you've got you know switching gears to that Keith. I think what really struck me was the fact that the defense attorneys are trying to use the one of the father the well the son is a former US Coast Guard. The father is is a retired law enforcement officer. Well I don't know if you followed this Keith is that the defense attorney was raising the argument trying to get it introduced to where a expert a uh use of force expert would test would be called on behalf of these of the father and the son because of their prior law enforcement training and experience so these two guys were well i mean had no association with law enforcement but you've got an attorney who is trying to use their law enforcement background 
as a justification as to why they used deadly force on this man who they knew was not armed with any type of a weapon. Well, well listen, listen. I'm, I'm going to say this. It was not their property to try to detain that man. If there was a problem to try to detain um, Ahmad, if, if that was if that was the case, you, you know, where's 911? I mean, people stop and look inside homes all the time. I had a home built, and we go out there and look at it. People were looking. People were looking. Um, in. They they go and see what the design. They're just people. That's what they do. That's their hobby. Uh, if, yeah. if the builder if doesn't want anybody there, they would put in no trespass. But but my question, what do you expect? Hey, uh, hey, Keith. Yeah. Hey, Keith, we're, we're coming up uh, and taking our second break, uh, but we're going to take this break, and we come back, we're going to get back into the conversation of what's going on in Wisconsin as well as in Georgia, but also the tragic uh, incident that took place in Houston this past weekend at the Travis Scott concert. But you're listening to You and the Law on the Bachelor News Radio Network. May I help you? Yeah, it's just cold. My sinuses feel like they're going to explode. Sudafed, aisle five. My allergies have my sinuses all stuffed up. Sudafed, aisle five. Tell the man what's wrong. My sinuses. Sudafed, aisle five. Sinus misery? Get Sudafed. Nothing stronger at relieving even your worst sinus symptoms. Not even a prescription. This could just... Sudafed, aisle five. Sudafed, prescription strength sinus relief. Based on 24-hour dose of pseudoephedrine. Hi, I'm Amanda Pete. Like all new parents, my husband and I want what's best for our baby. When it was time for our daughter's immunizations, we wanted the facts. So we carefully researched vaccines. We spoke with doctors and other experts and asked them tough questions. We decided that vaccines were the best thing for our child. I urge you to get the facts. Learn the facts about vaccines so you can make the best healthcare decisions for your family. Thank you. A message from the American Academy of Pediatrics and vaccinateyourbaby.org. talking about uh, uh, with uh, with you, but we want to remind you that uh, you're listening to the show live. If you would like to come on and if you got any uh, comments or would like to talk to us about the uh, trial in uh, Wisconsin or what's going on in, in, in Georgia or the incident that took place this past weekend in Houston, uh, let the producer know and uh, he'll send us a message or you can come on and uh, talk with us and uh, share your uh, comments with us. Uh, but we also want to remind you that uh, if you're not following you and the law, you need to go to our Facebook page and uh, hit the like button and follow uh, you and the law. You can find us on Facebook at you and the law one. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at you and the law one. And you can also follow us on Instagram at you underscore and the law. Uh, so, Keith, man, it has been 
unfortunately, you know, the situation that took place this past weekend in Houston, uh, man, where, you know, eight people lost their life. Uh, I think the youngest, there's a 10-year-old that's uh, in still critical condition. Uh, the youngest person who has died is 14 years old. So um, just, uh, just tragic all the way around. Yeah, prayers to those families, man. You know, and, and you know, it goes on the the hardest thing to fathom is how do you how do you go to a event, you know, to have a good time, and then the next thing you know, you're you're having to prepare to bury a, a child or a loved one at an event that's supposed to be fun. Um, there's so many unanswered questions. Uh, you know, people uh, they had police there. Well, fifty thousand people that we know of estimated 50,000 people that had gotten into the event, no telling how many other people were out in the perimeter of the event. And you have 500 police officers, and then you have 300 secure. That's 800 people to try to secure 50,000-plus people. Um, and then when you have people that want to bum rush, uh, knocking down fences, knocking people over to get into that event, Th- that event, when, when people start doing that and it seems – as though you're going to go over capacity because that venue holds can hold up to 200,000 people, but they made it, yeah. you know, for, for 50,000. When you see that at some point, somebody has got to make a decision. We got to stop this. When people start knocking down fencing to get in and it gets to the point where people can't move, somebody should have had, and, and, you know, we talk about the police department and the fire department that they, they did what they were supposed to do. They did everything that they were supposed to do. We're talking about people who are focusing on making money uh, and focusing on um, pleasing a crowd that let it go too far. And now you've got eight people who are dead, and you got other people, and then you got people for the rest of their lives. They're going to be they're going to be traumatized for the rest of yeah. their lives, you know, based on exactly. on what they on what happened. Yeah. Well, and, you know, Keith, and I think, you know, uh, even though there were, you know, over 500 police officers, I think somewhere over maybe close to 700 security personnel, uh, you know, the mayor said that this was they had more security at this event than that they had at the World Series. Well, you, you, you've got to look at there's two different type of groups of people. The people that, that went to the World Series, they were there to watch a baseball game. Uh, the group that went to a concert, these were young young kids who are fans of a person who who has had multiple uh, incidents at his concerts. And I, I remember uh, Keith a couple of years ago he canceled a concert in Tulsa, uh, Oklahoma, uh, at the BOK Center uh, because of, he said, some some type of production issues. Well, the people that had already lined up outside became extremely violent, and they started uh, busting the windows in front of the, uh, uh, the venue uh, at the BOK Center, where police officers were, and then there was another incident that happened 
uh, at another one of his concerts. So, uh, you know, unfortunately, they're the type of young people who are attending these type of concerts, uh, they have a lot of different motives for why they're there. Um, but I tell you, one thing, Keith, that is really disturbing that's coming out in this investigation is the fact that when the chief of the Houston Police Department stated that a security officer felt a needle stick in his neck and he ended up uh, losing conscience and had to be brought uh, back with Narcan that he had been injected with fentanyl. So now you've got uh, a whole nother element of what's going on with this investigation in that you've got individuals who are attending this concert who were definitely, their intentions was were to harm individuals who were attending this concert. And so, you know, when you've got individuals who, um, for whatever reason, are uh, they don't really respect anybody else's uh, life, is uh, is, and they want to cause as much chaos as they possibly can. And in this situation, you know, uh, we've all seen the different news stories that have come out and the, the different videos, but. You know, we have to say, you know, for me, Keith, I think when when the signs, when things happened prior to this concert, hours before this concert took place, that was a sign of that things can really go, continue to get worse uh, and not get better when you have a group of hundreds and thousands of people overpowering uh, where people were supposed to be going through and screening uh, to get into the venue. So at, at that point, it should have been upon somebody to make that decision to stop this event, uh, to get a, a, a handle on what is going on and uh, to where uh, the potential for any other uh, you know, violence would have been uh, wouldn't have been at the magnitude of what we of what took place hours after this this concert had had started. And so, you know, so many questions will go into how do you plan for um, mass events and how do you plan for mass demonstrations? And by all accounts, you know the Houston Police Department, the Houston Fire Department, and all the other uh, uh, public safety entities, uh, they had what they thought were sufficient number of people to uh, to work this type of event. Uh, but, you know, how do you – you cannot control uh, 50,000 people when you only have about – uh, let's say less than 1,100 uh, security and uh, law enforcement. And so um, there's just no way. And so uh, it, it's very disturbing that, you know, eight individuals have lost their lives uh, 
and and so many other hundred people uh, have, um, you know, were injured. And I have to share this with with you, Keith, and our listeners, that I just recently found out that I had a family member who attended a concert up in New York, and the same similar type of situation took place where she said the crowd started pushing uh, toward the front. Uh, She was caught in the middle, and um, she ended up, uh, she felt that she was going to end up losing, uh, you know, just just losing conscious, but she was able to uh, to get out and, and to get uh, somewhere safe. So you know, there's a lot of things that's going on with with how these type of events are put together and when these events should stop when there's a sign that uh, the event is not going as well. Uh, so. Uh, we've got a question from uh, Amy who's asking, why are cities still allowing large gatherings during COVID? Anyway, doesn't that put a strain on law enforcement that's not necessary? Well, and you're actually right, Amy, and we definitely want to thank you for tuning in and listening to uh, to our show. Um, and at this event, there was supposed to have been uh, COVID testing plus a COVID vaccine uh, drive that was also separate uh, from this concert. So you had health officials trying to uh, put together a plan to get people vaccinated or and also get people tested. But you have to ask yourself to, you know, be real about it. How many of these young people who were attending this event had it in their mind that they were going to go get vaccinated. They were there for uh, Travis Scott and um, they, they wouldn't, they had no intentions of, uh, of getting a COVID vaccine, but Keith, uh, you want to jump in and, and uh, uh, on this conversation. That's that attended that concert were there for the right reasons. They wanted to. They wanted to. They wanted entertainment. I, I do believe that. Um, I, I think that you did have that group that had no plans on paying. Because keep in mind, people had to purchase tickets for that event. But I still believe that when you have outdoor events like that, you're going to have people who are going to try to defeat the security, breach the security. That's just what they're going to do. They're going to try yeah. to breach security. Uh, they're going to they're going to try to find ways to get in to get in uh, to the security, and I think I, that's that is what happened. I think I think there was you, and, and, you know, and going back to what Amy said, absolutely, you know, COVID does play a big part. But how do you how do you say when when you're having all these sporting events and you're having all these other events that are that are starting to happen again? How do you say how does a how does a leader of a city or a state say well we can't have this uh, this event outside, uh, even though we had this event inside with just as many people. So, you know, really right now we, you know, we feel that the COVID epidemic is, is passing us. However, um, you know, those, that is a good question, but it does tax yeah. us because anytime you have an outdoor, it's very difficult to secure an outdoor facility. 
like that, an open facility like that. It is very to have your uh, your barricades and things like that. It is very difficult to have a a, a, a situation that nobody can penetrate. And, and, yeah. And so it, it is very yeah. difficult. Well, hey, Keith. Yeah, hey, hey, brother, we, uh, we're coming up on taking our last break, uh, but we're going to take this break. We come back, we're going to get back into the topics of what we're talking about, the incident, uh, the trial in uh, Wisconsin, as well as the trial in Georgia, and also the uh, unfortunate, tragic incident in Houston, Texas. But you're listening to You and the Law on the Bachelor News Radio Network. Space. Some regions are vast and empty, other areas we call closets. Fortunately, Kevin from the Container Store has answers. Hmm, right. Kevin, what gives you the power over space? I'd say Alpha Customizable Closets. With free design and Alpha's adjustable shelving and drawers, I can create space in any size closet. Kevin, master of space and closets. Or just Kevin. Plus, right now, save 30% on Alpha and installation and earn up to $500 in credit through February 10th. At the Container Store. Dermarest, the psoriasis solution, asks... What's complete freedom? For me, it's an open road with the top down. It's my bare arms getting warmed by the sun. It's my bare arms without a trace of psoriasis. Complete freedom, brought to you by the complete relief of Dermarest psoriasis. Unlike brands which only relieve itching and inflammation, Dermarest psoriasis also removes the embarrassing scales, allowing healthy skin to grow. Healthy skin? That's complete freedom. Dermarest. The psoriasis solution. on Facebook or on social media, definitely go and uh, check us out on Facebook at You and the Law 1, and you can follow us on Instagram at You underscore and the Law, and you can follow us on Twitter at You and the Law 1 on Twitter. Um, uh, today, you know, we're talking about several um, high-profile uh, things that have taken place, uh, one be the uh, – the trial in uh, Kenosha, Wisconsin, as well as the trial in Georgia with Ahmaud Arbery and the unfortunate incident that took place in uh, Houston uh, with the uh, Travis Scott concert. And, uh, Keith, you know, we've got, the, you know, we know a, a very good friend of ours. She is the uh, police chief with the Houston Metro Transit uh, Authority Police. And so they deal with the, the transit, and I'm pretty sure – some of her personnel were involved with this situation uh, that took place over the weekend. So uh, this this incident definitely caused a lot of strain on on police in that uh, Houston metro area. Well, yeah, it takes every so so you know it it, it would have taken Houston metro, Harris County sheriffs, then you have neighboring agencies, the metro police. It would take us because all those entities are, and then you know you talk about. I don't think a lot of people know what goes into planning those type of events. Um, you know, you 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 reach out to the city who had those events previously to find out if there's to do intel to determine if there was any issues there. You meet with the organizers. You meet with city officials. There's permits. 
there's costs that go into certain things, security, you know, how many officers you're going to need, how long they're going to be there, um, you know, egress and ingress. How do you get in? How do you get out? Uh, staging areas. Uh, it, it is a – you don't throw one of those events overnight. I mean, some of those events take a year to plan out. Uh, you know, marathons, they take a year. You know, when you have a marathon today, you're already planning for next year's marathon. Security mm-hmm. is a big point, you know. Do you do you know what kind of technology do you need to bring in? What entail do you have? Um, you know, are there any are there any problems between people who may be going to the concert? You know, so it's it's you know then then that that performer has their security. It, it's so much that goes into that. You have to have a command post. Well, who's going to be in the command post? You know, Chief Finner, Chief Finner did the right thing. He sat down with Travis Scott and his people to to lay out expectations. What I what I will tell you is that I have been involved in a few of those type of events and some of the things that you're told in those planning meetings, they don't they, they don't, don't always work place. out. Why yeah. do you think that is? Because it's all about yeah. the dollar for that 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 performance. Yeah. And it's not yeah. necessarily the performer. It's the people who are around that performer that it's, we want to make the money. I've seen them, you know, if you say, hey, we need 100 officers, well, can you get by with 50? Uh, well, we need this. Well, we, we've got our security officers. Well, we don't know anything about your security officers. I mean, it's, 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 a, it's a, you know, uh, it's, it's constant. It's a constant tussle, a tug, tug, tug up until the event is over. Uh, and I don't, yeah. I don't think people understand that. Yeah. Well, and it's Keith, not just I think, confined, you know. Well, well, Virgil, also, and it's not just confined to the individuals in that city because they're promoting this. So you're going to have people coming from all over the nation. Uh, oh, yeah. So this is yeah. Coming, to, coming to a city. So, uh, you know, I just wanted to kind of share that with the listeners. Yeah. Well, definitely. I mean, you know, a lot of people follow this uh, entertainer. And uh, you you have people who were just not from the Houston area. You have people from it, uh, you know, far away. You know, many other states who uh, who wanted to come and watch this, uh, you know, concert. But you know, Keith, I you know, to go back, you know, on how things unfolded at ten o'clock that morning, you had a, a crowd of people who start trampling uh damn fences and they and they rush the ground and so uh it is that was a sign of what was going to happen because when you have because when you have those type of events at those type of venues as first come it doesn't matter unless you have and, and i will tell you virgil in those type of events where they don't have seating and the standing it doesn't matter if you paid a hundred dollars for a ticket it doesn't matter. You, it doesn't matter if you don't get there a day or so before, a day that morning. You ain't gonna get. You're not gonna get that VIP area. You know, unless you are, well, unless you have been selected to go behind the stage. And so, it's it's first come first serve. And then, you know, do you have enough porta potties? You know, or is there water out there? I mean, man, there's so many things that that take place. And you know what? And 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 the thing about it is, man. Just imagine if that had been in the scorching summer, and that had been a hundred and some degrees. You know what I mean? Can you just imagine yeah. that? 
how, yeah. how how more severe that tragedy would have been. I mean, anytime you lose a life or people get hurt, that's very severe. But can you imagine how much how much more severe that could have been? The severity of that if you would have been mixed in with, um, and then just what if somebody would have said gun, or somebody would have pulled out a gun and started shooting? Can you just imagine that? It's it's just that was chaotic. That's just chaotic. Yeah. Well, and I think, Keith, you know, I'm just going to go back to what took place at 10 o'clock that morning when you had uh, so many people overpowered the the gates that people were supposed to go through that had metal detectors, that had areas where they were supposed to be screened to get into the venue. And so there, right there was a breach in security, but this event continued on. And so, you know, at that point, you you had a couple of thousand people who had made their way in into this this park. Uh, and so, at that point, there should have been some very serious conversations about stopping this event, uh, getting a better control of it, because now you've just lost your. Uh, your ability to contain uh, these people. And so when people saw that, and it was all over social media, that just gave other individuals the, uh, that said, hey, if they just did this, then this is what what we can do. So it was lost very early on at 10 o'clock in the morning, uh, and it progressively got worse. And by, you know, 930, at night, uh, when it was called a mass cal- a mass casualty event was declared, um, but so many things could have taken place before, um, where uh, where these lives wouldn't have been lost. And so, I think now that's why you are seeing uh, lawsuits already starting to take place, uh, and the fact that you've got some people who are saying that if this had been stopped, that uh, lives would have been uh, not lost at that, uh, uh, at this concert, Keith. Well, we we don't know that. Uh, We don't know what would have, well, let me just say that, you know, if we say that it would, would that have been stopped, we we can't say nothing would have happened. Uh, We don't know. Well, I think, I think when I make, yeah, I think what I'm saying is I think, you know, the potential for the loss of life would right. have gotcha. not gotcha. happened if but you know what's they amazing? would you have. But you know Virgil, you know what's amazing with this? I didn't, I didn't mean to interrupt, but you know what's amazing with this entire thing? Um, what's really amazing with this is that, you know, we talk about it's money. We We talk about money. Uh, and this is what the bottom. That's what the what the big deal is. Now, Travis Scott is saying he's going to refund money. But you know what? It's a little bit too late for that. <laughs> you know, well, I'm going to refund it, yeah. money. I'm going to do this. It's, you know. You know, Keith. When you refund, you know, how do you refund over fifty thousand people? Uh, obviously, there's a way of tracking how people paid, but now. You know, he has come out where he stated that he is going to cover all of the funeral expenses that these families uh, 
will will have to endure. He's going to cover that. So he has definitely uh, he's definitely trying to do what he can to minimize what the families are are dealing with. But these families are going to be dealing with this for the rest of their life. And Travis Scott, I'm sorry to say, Keith, but you know, a couple of months from now, a year from now, this will be old news to him. It'll be on to the next big uh, to the next big event. Uh, I don't think and, so, Verge. I don't. Th- I don't think it's going to be old news to him. I think. I think the fact of it is, when you have something like that that happens under your watch, you you're never going to get that out of you. That's that's never going to leave you. Well, um, yeah. It, I mean, it's going to always. Now, will he move on to the next? I mean, there have been. You know, I go back to the Las Vegas incident. You know, there were performers who didn't perform for almost a year based on based on the fact of the of the. Um, you know the the PTSD that 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 they suffered, and so yeah. you know I I, I want to say you know that's that's very commendable what Travis is doing, but I, I do believe at some point uh, there were some signs, like you said earlier, that this was a bad idea. I mean, you had people trying to get his attention, um, and it goes down to at what point do you listen to people or you pay attention or the people who are around you listen? They're telling you you're up on a you're up on a platform, you're able to look down. You can't make me believe that Travis being up on that platform didn't see uh, what was going on. As a matter of fact, I think he even mentioned a comment <laughs> sometimes during his deal. But then Drake comes out, and that just elevates it to a different level of excitement and people mm-hmm. hopping around and people can't breathe and things like that. But, but hey, man, you know what? Let me just take a break here. We got somebody named Tim who says we sound very bitter, and why are you in law? You know, why are we in law enforcement? Well, I didn't never heard anybody say we sound bitter. Uh, we're we're very factual. I, um, uh, I, I mean, bitter I think about Tim what? Is the one that's got the problem. Tim must be bitter because we're not bitter. Tim, I, Tim is. I mean, you know, <laughs> what, what are we bitter about? We're, we're talking yeah, facts. Bitter. These events happen. <laughs> yeah, we, we're not making yeah. up stuff. Uh, Tim's probably one of those people that 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 make up stuff, and and yeah. and he wants us to feel the same way he does. So Tim, how you doing? Thank you for listening, and um, I hope you I hope you uh, eliminate your bitterness because we're not bitter. <laughs> yeah, well, and obviously for for him to be listening to the podcast show, he he definitely uh, is taking the time out to 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 uh, hear what we have to talk about. And uh, for him to say that we sound bitter, I, again, Keith, I, I just don't see where that's coming from. I think, you know, what we're talking about is three tragic things that are occur that two things that occurred prior to this uh, Astro World uh, event in Houston. Right. Uh, and so to say we're bitter about what's going on in Kenosha, Wisconsin, what's going on in, um, uh, in Georgia and to, and to say we're bitter about what's going on in or what took place in, in Houston. I just can't see the bitterness there. I think what we're talking about is the fact that we're giving our, uh, professional opinion, uh, about these three things that took place, Keith. Well, you know what I think it is? I'm going to just be honest with you, man. I'm going to get it out there. I think you got somebody, because we mentioned Second Amendment. Uh, we talked about 
you know, relaxed gun laws. I think that's why we're bitter. I think that's well, why. Well, and Keith, I'm going to say this. And, 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 yep. and, and this is the deal. We're talking about saving lives. Did we? Did, yeah. we, did either of us at one time say anything anti-Second Amendment? Did no. Did either no. one of us say anything about anti-gun? We did not. But but no. it's, but it's, but you know yeah. some people get that and they think if you mention anything about Second Amendment or not agreeing with some of the gun laws that that you're that you're the bad person and so yeah that's it if you think I sound bitter we sound bitter because we brought that up oh well I guess um, yeah I guess we'll just continue <laughs> eating deal pickles because <laughs> drinking dinner well, well, Keith, we think we yeah well, because of that. Yeah, well, let me say because we got you know coming up on the last few minutes of the show, you know, and I, I have to say this, you know, when it actually happens to somebody, they become bitter because if Tim lost a loved one in Houston attending this concert and knowing that this event could have been maybe that could have been prevented from happening. You're going to be very bitter. You're going to be bitter if you lost a uh, a family member uh, who somebody took a weapon and, and shot and killed them and they were unarmed. You're going to be very bitter about that. And so and I think when – that, They intentionally went to that yeah. event looking to shoot someone. Yeah. And, and the fact that – when it happens to you, now everything changes with your with your conversation. And until it happens, now you can say we are sounding bitter, which we're not. Uh, but there again, Keith, th- these three things that we're talking about, and 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 for our listeners who are listening to us and who will continue to listen to this show, this is about the loss of life. Two men were killed in Wisconsin. One man, one man was severely injured. Ahmad Arbery killed. People have died so far in Houston with hundreds more who have been injured. So instead of talking about bitterness, how about uh, being a part of a positive conversation about how do you prevent stuff like this from happening again in Houston, Keith? How do you prevent another person from another 17-year-old going to another city, taking an assault rifle, killing people? And how do you prevent three men chasing down a unarmed black man because he was looking in, in a home that didn't even belong to them, uh, and he was killed? So, you know, Again, Keith, yeah, I, hopefully this this young man will join us again next week, Tim. Tune in next week because we're going to be talking about a topic that is very uh, serious about missing young black men and missing uh, uh, black women and Native Americans and just how much media attention is focused on and, and what goes on when – uh, when these individuals go missing and and they have not been found, but Keith, we're coming up on the last minute, a uh, few seconds of the show. It's been a great show, brother. Uh, hopefully, people will tune in and and listen to uh, to our show next week. All right, brother. I appreciate you, man, and to the listeners. 
uh, you all have a good good week and uh, prayers to the families of uh, the members, the uh, individuals in Houston that are still healing and the ones that were that were that were killed and and uh, to the city of Kenosha and the suburb of uh, Atlanta. God bless y'all. Yeah, but you listening to you and the law on the Bachelor News Radio Network.